Hey guys. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Movie Buffs, a podcast where we're going to be talking about everything uh, cinema and television in Kenya and beyond. Yeah, it's our first episode. We're super, super excited. But before we get into what the podcast is and what we're going to talk about today, we should probably introduce ourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah, my name is Koei. I'm one of your co-hosts. I am a writer, a journalist, and a podcaster, and many other things that we'll probably talk about throughout the season, throughout the, this podcast. I'm Will, and I'm an audio engineer, a music producer, and a podcaster. Yeah, Will and I are in a relationship. Ooh. And yeah, we've been together for a few years now, and for a huge chunk of our relationship, we were long distance. And one of the first things that we bonded over was really movies and TV. It's a huge part of our relationship. And um, for the time that we were long distance, that we were miles and miles apart and countries apart, one of the ways that we stayed connected was really like watching things together, watching movies, talking about them afterwards, doing the same thing with TV shows. So it's been a huge part of our relationship, really close to our hearts, because again, it kept it kept us close. It kept things intimate between us. And yeah, and even as we've gravitated together again physically, movie watching movies together is kind of like our weekly thing. Like we really love the ritual of it. And it's it's really close to us, and that's really what inspired this podcast. Yeah, um, yeah, we we move, watching movies is like one of the main ways um, we spend time. Yeah, and um, yeah, we've actually loved movies. Um, you know, even before we met each other, it's something that was really important for us. Like um, you know, growing up for me. Um, it was a huge part of my childhood, you know, going to movies, um, renting uh, the tapes, DVDs and all that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. One of my favorite childhood memories was every Friday, my mom and dad and I, we would go to Blockbuster. I'm not sure if the kids know what that is, but basically it's this place where you could, you know, you could um, you could rent DVDs, you could rent VHSs. Um, don't know if they know what those are. <laughs> but but yeah, and it was such a fun ritual. Like, again, we would go and it was like, you know, it's Friday. My parents are loose. They're like ready to have a good time. They're ready to unwind. I would get to pick the movie. Um, Blockbuster had all of these like snacks. They had popcorn and gummy bears and all of these fun things. So just, I loved like the excitement of going there and like finding a movie that we all wanted to watch, but also like mostly I wanted to watch, right? Like I don't think that my parents' like taste was taken into account. And yeah, and it was it was so fun and so special. And that's the first time that I really like understood like the magic behind movies and TV, right? Like it really, it brings people together. It bonds people of different generations. It really, it, it offers a special experience. That's what we want to really like unpack here. So should we get into it? Yeah, I think we should. So the way this is going to work, um, Will and I had ended up picking our favorite movies. That's how we're. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to go back and forth one by one. And I got to say, before we like get into it, it was super, super difficult to come up with this list. It was really, really hard. Like I was super surprised because um, we had talked about obviously, like we wanted to give you guys a taste of who we are, of what our taste is, what we care about as movie buffs. And and yeah, it was so hard to figure out like our favorite movies. I assume that this this list will change over time we'll probably revisit this over and over again but this is kind of like our first off-the-cuff take of like the movies that that really we connect with the most and that make us feel something yeah um yeah i really struggled to make this list um and yeah i i don't even i won't even say they're like my favorite favorite movies but they're yeah. just some of the favorites i thought of when i would you know just thinking of what's what what i think is, are some really good movies yeah, yeah, totally. So that being said, I'll go first. Um, so my first pick is definitely one. It's a nostalgic pick for me, for sure. Um, this movie is spectacular and it's beautiful and it is so visually appealing and it has this beautiful romantic love story. Um, but yeah, I definitely I think part of the reason why it's it's my favorite is because of just like the memories around it. That's The Sound of Music. It came out in 1965. It's an oldie but a goodie. And I remember watching this for the first time so clearly. I remember... My dad told me um, so fondly about his first memory watching this movie. He was only like a toddler when it came out. And he so like vividly remembers going to a drive-in movie here somewhere in town. I forget where what it was called. Um, and he remembers like going to this drive-in movie with his parents and his siblings and, and watching this movie and being like obsessed with just the whole, the whole aspect of it, right? The excitement of being in the car and like having the outing be in the car and just like the film itself and how gorgeous it was and 
how beautiful the music was and how everything like the, it's such a melodic classic movie um and he loved everything about it and whenever and whenever he would tell me that story like I could just see like the passion like in his eyes and I feel like when you're kids right like when you see your parents be passionate about something or love something like it, it makes it makes you also love it almost immediately and so even so I love this movie before even watching it um and then I watched it and I was like oh I get it there's such a magic around this movie if you're not familiar with what it's about basically Julie Andrews the great Julie Andrews plays this um pre-nun I'm not sure what they're called before like they actually end up being nuns for real but like basically she's a nun school so she's a pre-nun a nun in training and um before so all the older nuns are like hey I think maybe you want to go like live some life before you choose a life of poverty and like no sex no like interpersonal relationships really like maybe you want to live some life before you choose this life right so they essentially send her to be like an au pair like a nanny for um a retired naval officer's family so he's a widower his wife died and um he has these six i believe it's six kids yeah and he has these six kids that he obviously is overwhelmed with and so and so yeah she comes in and essentially she takes this like sad uh, this sad household Ooh, that's an, uh, i was gonna say asshole this sad household um and basically revives it with the sound of music. Um, and yeah, this movie just has some really great musical numbers like Doe with Deer, Female Deer, like iconic things, right? That like are such like staples in music. Um, the score and all like the music, all the beautiful work was done by Rodgers and Hammerstein and they're like icons for like any kind of like musical theater stuff. Like they're, they are the, the music and composers. They're so incredible. And yeah, I, I think one thing that I really love about this particular age of Hollywood, definitely like a golden age of Hollywood is that like they just put in so much effort in like getting the shot right like now we have things like CGI we have so much technology which is fantastic but there's something about like just the creativity it once took to get a certain kind of shot right like in the beginning of the film there's this really like epic scene where Maria's running up the hills it's set in Austria by the way set in the weeks before World War II basically so as they're falling in love and healing as a family Hitler's en route like he's coming to Austria he's making his way he's coming in hot and the Nazis are kind of like to um, the naval officer like what are you saying like are you are you down or are we gonna have to kill you basically so that's the kind of the overall like tension of the film right yeah so anyways in the beginning of the film like you see Maria like running up the hills in Austria is actually shot in Bavaria but you know um, she's running up and she's singing the hills are alive with the sound of music and they have these really great like aerial shots of her and like you know like just really great like top-down shots of her just like you know running loving nature or whatever and to get those shots they literally like they're on a helicopter like just circling this hill and there's a and there's a guy like the camera guy was literally like hanging off the like helicopter like Tom Cruise Mission Impossible style like hanging off the helicopter holding the the camera and just like getting this shot and I always think about like I don't know what insurance like looked like back in those days for like movie people like movie workers or whatever and cameramen because I'm like it must have not been substantial because this man was fully risking his life to get his shot like literally risking his life and every time like the chopper would like you know because it would like go close like if you've seen the scene like it goes from like close to wide it, it definitely looks like a helicopter is like circling around yeah and it's like you can just tell like every time like the helicopter would come close to julie andrews like of course like she would like hit the ground like smack the floor because like the power of the helicopter like it's and it's right next to her so again like just little things like that where it's like you can just and i think even without knowing that you can feel the effort put into every shot they shot like all over europe and Los Angeles like it was and you can like you can just tell like they even went like they were the movie is filmed um is set in Salzburg which is in Austria it's like a really beautiful historic town whatever and you can just tell like they went to a lot of the historic buildings like it just it's a really it's a really um it was you can tell it was done with a lot of love for the story a lot of love for the material based on a true story on the real Von Trapp family and yeah I just I just think it's it's such a um it's such a lovely experience to watch it's quite a lengthy film it's like I think close to three hours long and I will say it's it's very like medium tempered like it's not you're not gonna get like it's not the same experience as watching movies today right where it's like now I feel like it's we have shorter movie times right more things happen in a shorter period of time back then in golden age of Hollywood era days like the films they were longer less things happen and very like medium medium you know just kind of like vibe do you know what I'm saying so it's definitely like 
it's it's a little jarring, I would say, almost watching it now, like coming from a viewer in 2022. But it's such a rewarding experience, really relaxing. Whenever I'm sad, whenever I'm stressed, that's a movie I go to because it's just like it's simple. It's beautiful. It's about love and music, like at its core, like it has so much heart um, and it's so simple. And I think that's just what makes it a great movie and stand the test of time. You said it's from um, the, the 60s. Yeah, 1965 is when it came out. Yeah. I've seen it once, but I was really young. I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I like that that like old vibe it has. Yeah, it's nice, and it's almost it's very theatrical. Like they, there's even an intermission like in the movie, so it's like oh, really? it's very much like they stayed true because it's based off of a musical. So they yeah. stayed really true to like that theater feeling, which I really like as somebody who grew up doing theater, grew up doing musical theater, especially like it's really like it's um. It's an experience that I love and know well, and it's it's so cool to see it being translated to the silver screen. So you said they have an intermission. Like, what happens? Nothing. It's literally like the movie. Like, it's almost like when you know how when you see a play and it's like, all right, like this is the end of Act One. Then it's like you chill. Like you, it's like an intermission. It's just like a blank screen. Yeah, they'll just. It literally says like intermission, and then it just like you chill. They have like you know the 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 movie like music like um you know an orchestral version of it in the background, and then yeah, so it's just like whoa, okay, it's 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 like weird, but it's like this is kind of nice. Like we have a, like a little break. You kind of feel like you're at the theater. Like they really did bring the theater experience to people's homes, and I think that's why this movie was so successful and so beloved because it's like it really creates an experience that i think is unlike many other films my first movie is uh uh it's an interesting choice um i don't think it's a movie that a lot of people know um not to be that guy or anything <laughs> yeah i don't think um i just haven't heard a lot of people like talk about this movie um it's called children of men and um it's the it stars clive owen and it's it's based um just of like just a little bit in the future it doesn't really specify when um and basically it's an apocalypse movie and it's the premise for the apocalypse is that in the future like there's no women on earth that can that can get pregnant so there's no babies being born and there's no there's no women becoming pregnant so like the world just becomes you know, like uh it just goes into chaos because of that and um yeah so Clive Owen is the main character and he basically he um runs into his ex-wife who's like uh, a leader in one of these like rebel groups that's going against the government so the government is like all, all around the world collapse and the only one that's uh, left is the UK the movie's set in the UK so laughable that it would not happen today <laughs> yeah. they are in shambles <laughs> exactly yeah and um yeah i thought it was interesting um First of all, a movie like that that's not based in America and how it would look like. Like, I, I just thought it was interesting. Like, um, um, it's like England, so, like, just, like, the vibe is different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, he meets up with his ex-wife, and she's in some rebel group. So he kind of tags along with them for a little bit, but things get crazy. And, yeah, now, like giving too much away in the movie but he just he ends up having to um do a sort of mission yeah um and uh what i really like about the movie is just like the tone it has because it's it shows you a lot of what's what exists in the world we live in today but then it shows you things that are also like kind of outside of this world a bit and yeah i i really enjoyed that movie it's like the cinematography is what stands out to me the most in it and what makes me like it so much because it feels like um it doesn't really feel like it's trying to be a movie you know what i mean it feels yeah. like they're trying to make it like as realistic as possible like right. with, like the fight scenes and all that um the they use like long takes in mm. in a bunch of the scenes there's like two really notable ones that are like really long yeah and, and there's like there's no cutting to any other camera like yeah it's crazy do you know like how long those scenes are um no i, I don't know exactly how long but they're, yeah. they're, they're like a few minutes wow like of just like a continuous take yeah and there's there's one where he's they're like about to he's like he first like runs into these some of these rebels, these rebel mm, groups. Yeah. And, like, they're driving down, like, this road in, like, a forest, and the car gets attacked. Yeah. So you see the car being attacked, like, from a perspective of someone who's in the car, and, like, them looking around. It's, like, really crazy. Yeah. It's, like, one one take. Yeah. And then there's one, like, um, later on in the movie that's, like, 
he he needs to just like walk through a battlefield basically there's yeah. like people shooting at each other and it's like really crazy man. Yeah. i think long takes are really dope at like creating tension because it's almost like you are almost you f- you feel like you're fully immersed in whatever's happening yeah. and i almost feel like with long takes it's, it's almost like oh you don't know what's gonna happen right like anything could really happen there's almost safety in like the shorter take because you're like okay we're gonna cut to some resolution yeah, yeah. or we're gonna cut to like some next thing or whatever like we're not gonna be in this space for that long but long takes are like no we're gonna sit it's kind of like when you sit next to somebody or you're sitting with somebody and you just like stare at them yeah. like just eye contact of like it, it like makes you nervous yeah, yeah. i feel similarly about yeah. long takes you know what i mean yeah they they really build tension like like I was saying in in those long takes like they they use the long takes when it's like a lot of action happening in a scene so yeah like, it gets really crazy the camera pans around but like it it always just stays from the same point of view yeah yeah gosh and I think you know going back to what you were t- saying about like you know like this this is technically an apocalypse movie right like technically like you've had to have a genre and I think. You know, apocalypse movies, I think every genre has its tropes, but I feel like apocalypse movies, maybe a little bit more of them fall into the tropes, maybe more than others and other genres. You know what I mean? They're almost kind of like, they're easy pitfalls to fall into, right? And I think, I've not seen this movie, but from what you've explained to me, like, it's obviously like, I think it's cool that the the threat is directly to humanity. I think sometimes in the apocalypse movies, it's like something supernatural or something natural happens, right? Like it's a meteor has hit earth. Oh my God. Or like, you know what I mean? Like something happens to earth, but I think this movie is cool because like, this is something that could like actually like realistically happen, right? Like not to be like morbid about it, but like, you know what I mean? I think if we think about like, like not to be doomsday about it either, but like, if we think about like the end of humanity, like as we really know it, like it's probably going to be something that we do to ourselves. Like I actually, probably think like yeah like the world is heating up and global warming is a thing for sure but like i feel like we'll take ourselves out before we really get to the point of like the planet's inhabitable you know what i mean so i think that this movie is a really cool exploration of that and again i think like humanizing this genre sometimes apocalypse movies can be very much like ooh, like it could be very like you know like out of this world like almost mystical almost like sci-fi and so i i think adding like gritty real world realistic elements is yeah. would be really su- successful like in this space yeah 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 and that, that's what like um it just makes the movie feel like um i don't know it, it just makes it more interesting because like you know like you, there's a lot of like types of movies like that where it's like um they uh it's like a different planet and like it's just like things are so different it's just like so out there but this one it's like it's it really makes you feel like it's like 10 years in the future you know it's not right like, not like a hundred years in the future yeah yeah, so, yeah. It's like, so it's like it's it's really like you see a lot of things that you recognize you know so that's what makes it even more like um like scary man yeah, yeah. definitely definitely Okay, moving right along to my next pick. I think super similarly to The Sound of Music, I also picked like an epic romance because like that that's definitely a theme in my list. But my next one has to be Titanic. Um, this movie's definitely on a lot of like greatest films of all times list, but like I think it really deserves that spot. I mean, this movie, when you think about like and just an epic movie on every level, the story is epic, the set design is epic, costumes are epic. Everything in this movie is just like completely like just fully larger than life and everything is so so successful came out in 1997 if you don't know what it's about it's literally about the ship like you you already know what this movie is about in the name of the title right but basically to like make the the shipwreck and the horror of it and the devastation of it more like intense and like sad and tragic for viewers they framed it through a love story i think that that happens often right like and that's why we see so many of these period dramas where like the driving force is a love story because like that's what often humanizes whatever historical event you're set in right um and that's a very much the case for titanic um yeah so you basically follow the love story of these two teenagers it's funny they're meant to be teenagers they look like they're fully grown um well leo looks like he's a teenager but um kate winslet looks like she's a mom of three anyways yeah. <laughs> shout out to kate winslet but yeah basically it, fo- it follows these two teenagers who come from very different phases of life kate winslet's like the classic rich girl right who's in first class and like she's about to marry the like asshole rich guy right and then um 
And then Leo DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, he's like kind of like, you know, to steal some lines from Aladdin, like the common street rat, right? Like he is like the everyday, you know, he snuck on the, tr- uh, he didn't sn- I don't think he snuck on the ship. I think he like, he got a ticket last minute, you know, like, you know, bottom tier, like, yeah. you know, your economy class ticket, right? Yeah. And so they end up meeting and falling in love and like, and all this stuff. And as is happening, you know, you know, the Titanic is, spoiler alert, gonna sink. It's heading to doom. Um, and I think, I mean, there's so much love in this movie right like again it's, it's a super long one but this one I feel like really keeps you on the edge of your seat I think I think first of all the actors are fantastic Kathy Bates in this movie I don't know if you know that she's great oh, yeah really? yeah it's actually it's a really it's a great cast really really strong cast mm-hmm. and um and yeah like again I th- you know James Cameron um the director he like was had his hands in every part of the project he like was part of like writing the script and like all of this stuff and like he co-produced it so he and I think you can tell when filmmakers like really believe in a project and have a hand in everything because you can really tell what his vision was like he wanted to make us feel like we were on the Titanic like he was like if i do one thing they're gonna feel like we're they're on this ship i think it's super cool like you know when they they hit the iceberg right they have these amazing shots of like the camera like rushing down the corridors with the water like you kind of move it with the speed of the water it's fantastic and you know he did that like he built a little model of the titanic and he used like i don't know if it was like a tiny tiny camera or whatever but he used a camera to like he used this tiny model to get those camera shots and it's crazy because when you watch it obviously it looks like they built this thing this whole infrastructure but it's literally a miniature version of it it's so like just the creativity and james cameron's one of those directors where it's like give him a big budget and he will give you an experience like he's gonna like he's gonna do something that's gonna really be boundary pushing because at the time this movie came out in 1997 right like no one had ever seen anything like this obviously like we weren't there we were two at the time you know what i mean but like i just remember like you know like i've watched so much stuff about like the film and and they talk about like how audiences were just like completely gobsmacked when they watched this. They'd never seen anything of this magnitude. And I just think the creativity is super cool. Like the fact that like all of the scenes where Rose and Jack are in like what's meant to be, I believe the Atlantic Ocean, like somewhere, um, where they're meant to be like freezing cold. Like they're just like in like a kiddie pool. You know what I mean? Like in California, like, you know what I mean? But he was able to really create something like so, so special. I think the story is iconic. I think everything about this movie is iconic. And of course, like one of the best like movie soundtracks ever, right? With Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On, like amazing. So, so great. Fun fact about this movie. um, it's It's so crazy thinking about like, anybody else playing Rose or Jack, um, the the main characters who fall in love. Um, but it actually, it was not meant to be Kate and Leo. They were very last minute situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they were they were last minute decision picks. Um, originally, James Cameron and like the production casting, whatever, they wanted um, Gwyneth Paltrow and Matthew McConaughey to play the love interest. And I was like, I all know. right, all right, all right. I don't know about that. No, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And I think like, I mean, I just, these blonde, blue-eyed people, like it just it they wouldn't have sold it right like it happened the best people got this role like you needed a kate winslet you needed a leo dicaprio like people who are like no shade to gwyneth or matthew but like really like dramatic actors who could play like tragic love interests well i don't think that i would have believed it with gwyneth and matthew yeah. you know what i mean yeah no like matthew mcconaughey uh, all right all so right much. all right imagine <laughs> With his Texas draw, like, right. hey, like, welcome to the Titanic. Like, why would he, you know what I mean? No, it doesn't make sense. I don't know. I didn't get their <laughs> I don't know vision. What they were thinking, like, yeah, thank God it didn't work out yeah. because, I mean, part of the reason why this film is like one of the highest grossing films of all time is honestly because of Kate and Leo. Like, their, their energy is dynamic and people have been asking them to like do something again for so long because of how electrifying they were in this movie. Like, I really was like, damn, they, they together or what? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I need to watch that movie again. I haven't seen it since I was really young. Yeah, we yeah. should watch I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, my next pick uh is switch up the vibe a bit. Yeah. My next pick is The Dark Knight. Um it's my favorite superhero movie by, mm. f- by far. Yeah. And the movie that came after it is probably my second one. Um, Dark Knight Rises. But yeah, Dark Knight I like I like that movie a lot. Um it's the first time I I ever watched like a superhero movie, and I I didn't really feel like it was it was a superhero movie because it didn't have that like I don't know you know like how Marvel movies they have like a a, a kind of like 
cartoonish comic book vibe like they want they want you to feel like it's like reading a comic book mm-hmm. like i'm not a fan of that like i don't i don't really like that yeah um if i want to read a comic book I'll, I'll read a comic book but like i'm watching a movie so like i like movies to you know be a bit more serious yeah with certain things and like that's why i like the dark knight you know it's like it's it's dark it's ominous it's gritty like and it's it's like it, it's really captivating because of um, the characters that you have. So you know, Batman, Christian Bale, of course, um, Heath Ledger as the Joker. Like that was the best Joker that that's like I've I personally think is it's the best Joker that's that's ever been. Better than Joaquin Phoenix. Mm. That movie Sorry, was, Joaquin. Yeah, like, <laughs> that movie was good, but it to be honest, it, it almost felt like it wasn't really even in the same like yeah universe. universe yeah, yeah. yeah, but like that one, it was just like really different but um i like this movie because it has elements of a superhero movie but then at at the same time it doesn't feel like that yeah i'll be honest i'm really like not a big superhero movies type of girl for me like stuff like the power rangers like those kinds of cartoons like on tv like was really where it kind of started and ended for me but everything that you've told me about this movie sounds so so good i think similar to apocalypse movies like I love when this genre, like a, a dose of reality is introduced into this, in this genre, right? Because I think superhero movies can be very like comic booky, like how you were saying, like very like boom, pow, like you know <laughs> what I mean? Like yeah. the emphasis really being on like the special effects, like the big action scenes and stuff like that. So seeing that like, you know, like Batman's fighting something that's a little bit deeper than like an actual like enemy mm-hmm. right like he's 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 fighting a concept and which i'm sure is multi-layered yeah. an internal battle as well as an external one as well i think that's really cool to see like something gritty something darker and yeah i mean i've definitely heard that like heath is the joker with two e's yeah 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 and like yeah like just what you're saying like um the it came out the dark knight came out in 2008 yeah and around that time you know like in the years before that you know like the, they, we had like those like the Superman movie. There was the Spider Man movies that were happening. Yeah. And so that was that was what um you know was the majority of what like the superhero movies were like. Totally. And then this one came in was like completely different to that vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I I I'll always find it like one of my favorite movies for that reason. And yeah. Heath Ledger was crazy in this movie. It was like I never seen a movie like like where the villain was like that. Like it was it was really dope. Yeah, that's so, so cool. You should watch it. Yeah. All right, my next movie is definitely a departure from the Titanic and the Sound of Music, so no more romance now. Um, my next pick is Inglorious Bastards. Quentin Tarantino, an amazing film. If you're not familiar, this is basically, this is the best way, I guess, to describe the plot. So we're following two different stories happening in parallel um, of different people who are plotting to kill Hitler. You'll see World War II is definitely a theme in my list because I love a period drama. I love anything set around World War II. I think it's just like, it's a great backdrop for drama, for romance, for whichever. And so, yeah, so basically like World War II is like off and popping, like we're in the, the peak Nazi days. And so we're seeing two simultaneous simultaneous plots to take out Hitler. Um, One of those plots is um, by a Jewish woman named Shoshana. Um, She unfortunately had to see the main villain, who's, I always forget his name, Hans Landel. Landel. Landa? Landa. Landa. (laughs) Yeah, so Hans Landa, he's this, like, you know, Nazi officer. And so basically Shoshana had to see him kill all her family. And um, she manages to escape. There's this great scene where she's leaving the house um, where they took her family out. And she's running, and um, Hans sees her, and and he's like, Au revoir, Shoshana! And she's, like, booking it, right? Um, And so, yeah, fast forward years later, and she's now living in Paris, obviously keeping the whole Jew thing under wraps. Um, And yeah, and so she she works at this theater, and um, she catches wind that the Nazis want to use her theater for some Nazi film propaganda situation. Like, they're doing the premiere at her theater um, because they want to, like, support local businesses, LOL. (laughs) like that, that boyfriend, Nazi boyfriend she had. Oh, yeah. And she has like a little love interest who's like, yeah, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like obsessed with her. Obsessed with her. And she's like, please stop. Like, this is my yeah. name. Like, you know, she's yeah. going by an, another name at this point. Shoshana is a very Jewish name. And she changes her name again to keep the whole Jew thing under wraps. Right. So that's so she, when she learns that Hitler is going to be at this um, premiere, along with like all of the highest ranking, like third right people, she's like, oh, we about to get the ass. 
At the same time, on the other hand, you have um, Aldo Rain, who is, I think he's North, he's from North Carolina. He's some kind, he's from somewhere in the Southern U.S., but he is an army guy. I don't really know. I don't know, like, army names and stuff like that. So, like, he's the... <laughs> the troop leader. He's like some him and his platoon of men. Um, it's like a handful of these American um, warriors, soldiers. These American soldiers who are basically like, okay, we're gonna kill all these Nazis one head at a time. So they're just like they're just barreling through Europe and they are just killing all of the Nazis. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Just gritty, kind of grassroots effort to take the Nazis out. They again, like Shoshana, learn that they're gonna have this Nazi premiere party at this um, at this theater in Paris, the one that Shoshana works at. And so they also make a plan to take out Hitler at this um, theater premiere. Hijinks ensue, drama ensues, but ultimately, spoiler alert, they end up getting, you know, Hans and all of the Nazi folks. Like, they end up being successful. Shoshana dies. I believe most of Aldo's platoon, or whatever it's called, I think they mostly died too, but I believe Aldo, I think Aldo dies. I'm not 100% confident, but I think Aldo dies. But anyways, enough on the plot. Yeah, it's interesting. Out of all of my movies, this is the one that I've watched the most recently. Like, we watched it just a few weeks ago. And I was like, you know, it had always been on my list because I knew that it had all the things that I would like, right? Like, it's set, but World War II backdrop, right? Like, you have the action, you have the thriller, you have, like, the this juicy plot line, which is so interesting. But I love this movie even more than I really thought. Like, I really was, like, on the edge of my seat the entire time. Such an incredible film. Quentin Tarantino wrote it, spent over a decade on the script, and you can really tell, like, it's a very, like, the story is so interesting. Like, the story by itself, just super interesting. Don't even add in, like, all of the extra good stuff, the juicy stuff, but, like, the plot itself is so interesting. Like, you're just like, oh, my God, like, Aldo Rain, who's played by Brad Pitt, is, like, over here, then Shoshana's over there, and it's like, damn, like, they're getting close, they're getting, it's, it's such a, the, it builds tension really well, and no one does a final scene like Tarantino. Like, one yeah. thing about a Tarantino film is that it's gonna end, it's gonna go batshit crazy in the end, yeah. and at the end, you're just like, oh my god, it's on and popping. Yeah, it, it took him them a while to, to make this movie, understandably so, um, and actually, Tarantino abandoned the project for a while. Um, he had very specific qualifications for this Hans role, the like main Nazi evil guy, um, who's played by Christoph Waltz. And basically, like he was looking for somebody in this role who like could speak seven languages and like crazy stuff, right? So for a very long time, he was like, you know, we're never going to find this person. Let me move on to other projects and like you know, let me chill, right? So he moves on to Kill Bill, and then. Somewhere along the road, they end up meeting Christoph Waltz. Somehow he can speak all of these languages. He's also just like a beef actor. And they're like, yes, got him. It's actually interesting. You know, only 30% of this movie is in English. The yeah. most, yeah, the most of the movie is in like romantic languages. So it's mostly in like French, Italian, German. Well, German's not romantic, but you know what I mean? Like it's in other languages. So it's, so I think it's really incredible and a testament to the filmmaking of like this movie, like really does not lean on like the comfort of language. It's like, no, you're, you're going to, you're going to be here with it. You're going to be here with the film. It's, so it's it's really, really impressive. Yeah, I just think I love that Tarantino um, has... I love that his shtick is that, like, he rewrites history right like it's it's history according to tarantino and it's such an it's such an interesting world to be in it doesn't really feel like a parody at all which i like he has this really great way of like making you believe oh like this is what happened like yeah yeah isn't this like we read this in the history books like you know like these people took out hitler like it's so crazy how he really like like just kind of like comes up with these alternatives yeah it's really it's it's really really interesting yeah, yeah. i love this film yeah yes yeah. there's a lot of um really good actors in Oh, yeah, the casting is also fantastic. I, I really liked uh, Michael Fassbender. Yeah, surprising, yeah. 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 He was really good. Man. Yeah, really, like, I think, yeah, really great casting. And everybody, like, you could really tell, like, everyone knew their role well. Like, everyone, just, like, everything was just, like, you know, just really on point. And I think that's what happens when you work on a script for 10 years, right? Like, the amount of research that probably went into, like, the characters, the accuracy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it really felt like almost a piece of historical work, but, like, everything was pretty much, like, fictional, right? Like, I'm sure it's based on, like, real people, real officers, like, you know, like that kind of stuff, yeah, but, like, yeah. the pl everything else is, like, you know, like, it's fictionalized, and I think that's what an impressive thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I really enjoyed that movie as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of my favorite um, Tarantino movies. So good. I love it. Um, my next one is also a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah. It's Django Unchained. Oh, yeah. Um, this is also one of my favorite Tarantino movies. 
um, yeah, um, what I like about this movie, obviously, you know, it's 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 about a slave who, you know, gets freed, and then he's working with someone as a bounty hunter. That's Christoph Waltz again in the movie. Yeah, and yeah, I I love Jamie Fox in this movie. Um, it's my favorite movie that Jamie Fox is in. Oh yeah, yeah, by far, it's best yeah, role yeah, by yeah, far. Yeah, yeah, um, and um, so it's him and Christoph Waltz. They're going around. Bounty hunters, so you know the backdrop of slavery and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I like about this movie is that it's not, it's, it's not trying to like show you a story of like oh like a slave who like, like is being is like going through all these crazy things and like, yeah. like you know like um, it's more like uh, it's more like a story of like someone who becomes a hero but he mm. just happens to be a slave. That's what I like about it. It's not like, not that it's not trying to put that in your face, but it just does it in, in more of a way that it's, it's like realistic, you know? It's mm. not, it's not trying to like shock you that slavery existed. It's just trying to show you like how, how it actually was for slaves, but then they make the story something that you would have never expected. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, slave movies, Jesus. I think a lot of slave movies for me, like, they just have a very clear agenda, right? Like, not to sound like a right-winger, but, like, they have a very clear agenda, right, like, of commercializing black trauma. Like, typically, slave movies are, like, you're, like, expect to really see, like, a lot of black people being brutally beaten, brutally raped, brutally insert whatever, Which right? Which all like, happens in that movie, but... Yeah, but it's not, it's like, like you, you can tell, like, that's not the purpose of this film, right? Yeah, like, exactly. it's, it's not, like, Tarantino wasn't, like, I really believe, like, he wasn't, like commercializing on, like, the trauma that, like, black Americans, like, went through, like, during that time in history, right? Like, this, I I honestly, it's interesting because I feel like I wouldn't even, like, consider this really, like, a slave movie. I feel like it it happens to be a, a slave happens to be, like, a main character, but it's not even about, like, I I really feel like the slavery part is kind of, like, the side part like it's it's really a revenge story that's really what yeah, it is right exactly. and like and it's a love story because it's it's really about jamie fox going to get his girl and i i appreciate that the realities of slavery are the undertones and that makes it more powerful and i also think that the fact that like jamie fox comes out of, as the hero like there's no white savior e moment which also happens to it's that's also a trope with slave movies right like it's always like the nice white abolitionist who like saves harriet tubman and like you know what i mean like which is not like how things really were right like black people more often than not saved themselves so i think like having that be kind of like the message walking away from this film like really makes it a fresh take on um, a cliche, almost like a cliche kind of topic explored in film, yeah, yeah. yeah. or time in history rather explored in film. Yeah, and like literally what you're saying is not like about like oh like there's always that you know the white savior character who comes. Yeah, yeah. I I prefer like I like how they did it in Django because um, Christoph Waltz's character he doesn't really come to like save him. He just yeah. comes because like he just needs him. Like something very specific, yeah, you know I mean? and then they actually like become friends like over that time. So like, like I thought it was cool. Like you know, there's no like white savior who comes to yeah. save the day or on a literal like white horse. Like, yeah. let me help you, blacks. Like slavery is bad. Like it's none yeah. of that, right? Like this is a story about like Jamie Fox like saving himself <laughs> and his girl. Like that's what the story is about. Like it really is like it's a hero story. Like how you were saying, and I think that's what makes it successful because usually black people aren't the heroes in slave movies. Yeah. 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 And another thing I really like about it is um, just, like, the style it was shot in. It's, like, a Western. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I really like that because I'm, I'm a fan of Westerns. And the fact that they made it, like, you know, this specific type of story, but then it's a Western as well is really cool. That's a really good point. You know, I'm thinking about all the other slave movies that I've seen, and they typically happen, like, in the South, right? Like, they're usually in the South or, like, yeah. the East Coast or whatever. Like, this was cool because, like, I believe, like, it's West Coast area. Like, they, well, they go all they're, over the country. They're, they're in the South. They're in the South? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then on the West Coast? 
I I'm not too sure, but then like in the beginning they're like in Georgia or something. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So it must be the Western feel makes you feel like you're in the wild wild west. Like really, yeah. It's so mm. cool. Like you can see how much Tarantino loves Western films because like there's so many like nods to like Western classics, like the Mexican standoff, like yeah. all those great saloon scenes. Like it's so like you know it's it's yeah. it's so great. Like you can tell that he loves that genre, and I think that interweaving a slave story into that genre is so clever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it, it just it goes so well with the whole bounty hunter thing. Like, it just it really all the elements of the film really work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, moving on to my number four. Even though these aren't really in any particular order, it has to be us. Jordan Peele's Us came out in 2019. Let me tell you something. The hill that I die on is that Lupita should have won the the Oscar for this role. She. One ended up winning her first Oscar, if you don't know, for 12 Years a Slave. Didn't see this movie because, as you just heard, you know how I feel about slave movies. Um, and I just feel like this is the role that she should have gotten it to. Basically, this movie, on a very higher level, is about this family who ends up being confronted with their doppelgangers who don't have maybe the most kindest intentions for their being there, right? And so it's just like them battling their doppelgangers and um, other ones in the world. Um, we'll leave it there for the plot because I don't want to, if you have, especially if you haven't seen this movie, like I, I would love for you to go in blind. I think that's the best way to experience this movie. But yeah, so basically um, the main characters, are it's this black family's at the center, which first of all, we love for a thriller. I think, you know, Jordan Peele obviously like essentially like made his own genre of horror films, like this social commentary you know thriller genre which is so interesting like it really makes you think in a way that's not trying so hard in a way that's not trying to be preachy or anything like his tone is so cool but he's saying so much by like just his interpretation of like class racism gender whatever but it's it's so compelling how he does it right um so basically every character like it's you know your typical nuclear family mom dad the two kids everyone's playing the doppelganger obviously right so lupita's playing two characters winston duke the husband's playing two characters and it just the range in which these actors got to like play is so cool to see because really lupita her main character is kind of like a mom with a past you know what i mean that's basically what it is but her doppelganger is a much darker character. And if you haven't seen it, she puts on this voice that is unbelievable. I actually have it written down. She was actually inspired by a particular um, condition. It's called spasmodic dysphonia. It's also known as laryngeal dystonia. Um, and essentially, the disorder, it causes spasms in your throat to cause like vocal distortion. Literally, Lupita is doing that. A whole condition. So that, that's the voice she was doing in the... Yeah, she, like, worked with, like, speech actors and speech was, therapists and talked to these people who have this, like, condition. And she kind of created, like, her own, like, hybrid version. Yeah, that was, is crazy. When I was watching it, I didn't even, I didn't think that was actually her voice. I thought it was, like, you know, some computer. Yeah, because <laughs> it sounds like it was made yeah. in a lab. It yeah. doesn't even sound real. And yeah. I'm like, oh, Lupita can act. Because, like, even, like, the darkness she's able to access in this film is super, super cool. And I, I really love whenever actors play something that's different than what they're really known for. I think Lupita's known for just, like, you know, elegance, drama, serious, like, that kind of thing. But to see her be so dark and menacing and scary and to play, like, an opposite but similar version of her, it's so, like, that's an actress. Like, she really, that's where I feel like her talent really, like, really shone. Like, it was amazing. Like, it was so cool. Um, yeah, there's some really beautiful scenes in this movie, like, uh, towards the end, Lupita and, and Lupita, her doppelganger, they get into this fight, basically, that's kind of like, so her character's a dancer in the movie, so she, like, um, a ballet dancer, so they have this, like, ballet-inspired fight thing. I mean, the physicality, I think, I think Lupita's, like, physical acting in this was incredible. Like, she's a great actress, like, great acting, but her physical acting, like, the dancing, the vocal, like, it's so, it's really something to watch. Again, this is a movie that will keep you on the edge of your seat. A very good, um, I would say they walk a good line of, like, um, gore and violence to, like, thriller moments. Like, it's a good line. Like, I feel like, oh, okay, yeah, like, gory stuff happens, but then, like, scary stuff happens, like, thrillery stuff happens. Um, they walked a really good line. I think that Winston Duke was really kind of the unsung hero of this movie he brings like 
real comedic energy and real comedic like masterful work into this film which I think is nice I think sometimes thrillers can be very serious and take themselves very seriously so having a Winston Duke to brighten up the space a very to brighten up the serious movie really was really really nice and I think you know nobody does motifs like Jordan Peele the easter eggs are all over this film nods to get out are in there like it's super super cool just to see like his universe and this to me was how are nods to get out um, there are a couple, you know, I've watched so many explained. There's like little stuff where it's like rabbits are a motif in the movie and there's like rabbits in like get out. It's like little stuff like that where it's like there's threads to the universe. To be honest, like I'll have to like sit down and watch again to be like, all right, like let's and we can do that maybe in another episode, like finding just like the the Easter eggs like in Jordan Peele movies, because like it's really cool. I think similar to Tarantino, like he he creates his own world, right, in this own universe, and I think it's so cool to see. And yeah, I love this movie. Definitely a classic. I love watching. I would love to watch it over and over again. I enjoy it every time, and it's one of those films where like you watch it and you get something new out of it every time because this film can be interpreted in so many different ways. You can make an argument that it's about class, capitalism, race, whatever. Like it's so interesting. There's so much you can take from it and that's why like it's such a great movie yeah i actually really like that movie right um, yeah I, I watched it like years after it came out yeah yeah like i i actually enjoyed it it's crazy how um you don't you don't like know what's going on like until like at the end and then yeah like, like there's like a few revelations at the end that are just crazy especially crazy like, especially how it ends like Wow. Yeah, and even amid those revelations, you're like, "What? <laughs> like, wait, what's happening?" Like, it yeah. has this really good element of like mystery, where you're like, it, "This is a movie where you're constantly trying to figure it out." Like, you're watching it, like, "All right, this is the time I'm gonna get it." Then you're like, "Wait, yeah. you know what I mean?" And that's what's great about the experience. So it's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, my my next one is also Jordan Peele, um, Get Out. Yeah. Which was the first uh, feature film that he did. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, this one was obviously like it It had like a really big cultural moment at the time that it came out. And um, the uh, basically it's, it's the first like horror thriller movie that I saw that I just, it had like, I don't know, it just had like a really different vibe. It's black people. Yeah. And... What um, I love about it, it's like, um, so, you know, obviously, um, you have Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. He's... Our East African brother. Yeah. <laughs> our Ugandan brother. Um, so, his, he's the main character. He's with his girlfriend, his white girlfriend, obviously. White. Yeah. Um, what was the name of the movie? Allison or something. Yeah, like Allison, but, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, going to her parents' uh home for the first time mm -hmm. they have like a little dinner party situation happening da, da, da. and yeah you know chaos ensues um, <laughs> yes yeah uh what I, I what i really liked about this movie was um it's a horror thriller movie with things that you expect to happen in a horror thriller movie yes but and i'm so glad that they actually like like jordan peele actually did this like his character makes decisions that an actual black person would actually make in real life. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So like, like he sees something that looks weird. He's like, nope, no, 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 no. He leaves. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Or like he runs, you know what I mean? He doesn't like go investigate or like just yeah. things that would not even happen in real life. Totally. Like, yeah. So I, and, uh, it's, it's crazy. Like how intense the movie is. Yes. And like from the beginning to the end, there's like a mystery and like you, like, you know, just, because of all like the, the the promo of the movie, you yeah. kind of know oh like it's just it's gonna be some crazy racist thing, but right. you, you you can never guess what it actually is yeah. until like you watch through it and and you get to that and it's like it like they build tension so much in the movie and it's always it's like you're always like like man what's about to happen next like yeah yeah. I one of the things that I actually love about this movie is Lil Ray as his friend, like the guy who works at the oh, airport. Lil, Lil Rel. Yeah. Lil Rel, not Lil Ray. Yeah. <laughs> Lil Ray. <laughs> yeah, Lil Rel. Lil Rel. He's yeah. so good. Like as and the exactly. Yeah. Like literally, he's like the he's like basically the voice that the audience is trying yeah, to be. You know exactly. I mean? like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I'm I watched it in the cinema. I remember like he 
would be like 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 no don't do that or don't go there or like yeah get, like leave the house or something and then yeah daniel kaluuya is just chilling and then his friend is telling him he's like yeah man like you like you should get out of there like yeah and like it's it's funny how like that's what he's trying to tell him the whole time yeah and then like obviously the way it ends you know what i mean spoiler like, alert yeah just like yeah how it ends like you you're like yeah like as he should have done that yeah yeah, he's, I think, kind of similarly to us with Winston Duke being, the com- like, the comedic energy. Like, I think Daniel Kaluuya actually has really funny moments. Like, uh, you know, he's obviously, like, chaos is happening. But he has really funny, yeah, like, responses does. to things. Yeah. But, like, Lorel is, like, the, the comedic energy of this film, right? And he and he picks it up. Like, you know, we'll go from a scene of, like, you know, Daniel Kaluuya's, like, going through it. And, like, shit's serious and scary. Yeah. Then, like, we just, we cut to Lil Ray and Lil Ray again. Lorel. Like, the whole, like side plot like that he's like a tsa agent yeah and then he's like becomes a detective <laughs> to figure out what's going on with he's his like friend trying to crack the case and the, the so real, funny the real cops don't believe him like it's and all the all the while this guy is like going through some crazy next shit. Like, stuff yeah, like, yeah yeah definitely if you haven't seen this movie stop what you're doing and watch have this you, movie have you seen the the movie has an alternative ending yeah i think i saw him talking yeah, about yeah, it somewhere yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But that was also interesting because it's like, oh man, like, but like the ending was good, and yeah, I thought I thought it was a really good movie. I, I thought the ending was perfect. Yeah, yeah. Out, out of the three Jordan Peele movies so far, it's for me, it's it's by far the best one. Interesting, yeah. interesting. We should um, we should definitely do an episode where we talk about all of them, like just like you know, talk like especially comparing like Nope and talking about Nope. I really enjoyed Nope, and I was very much like when I heard Nope was about aliens, I was like, mm, we gonna have to see. But I mean, Jordan's interpretation was so dope. Yeah. All right, moving right along to my last pick. Definitely, like, a different kind of movie than what I've been talking about. But, you know, we love a variety in our list. It's Brokeback Mountain. This movie um, is a beautiful movie. And I think it culturally meant so much for queer cinema, bringing queer cinema to the mainstream. This movie really, um, it, it it was one of those movies where like, oh, this is bigger than the movie, right? Like this is kind of about, this is like making a statement. And when you talk about like launching the careers of Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger, like that's what this movie really did. It brought, it took them to a different, another echelon um, and really made them movie stars, right? Like that's, yeah. that's what led Heath Ledger to get the Dark Knight and all these things. Like this is where he really proved his acting shops basically the film follows these two men these two cowboys in wyoming over the span of 20 years i believe it's from 1963 to 1983 like around there and these men they fall in love right but of course this is back in a time when like being gay was like no 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 right and especially like they lived in a conservative place like wyoming is in the middle of nowhere basically america if you're not familiar and so like it's very much like you know republican like all that kind of stuff right like every stereotype you really think about america is probably active in wyoming right and yeah again this is a film where it's like not a whole lot is happening we're just seeing these two people love each other but they obviously can't be together and express this love. And it's, you know, they, they go on to marry women and have babies. And it's just about them, like, you know, just being depressed. And then they, like, they'll go and they'll have these, like, trips to the mountain. Like, they'll spend, like, weeks, like, you know, like, hiking, camping in this mountain together. That's where they really, like, have their moments of happiness together as a couple being in love. And, yeah, it has a tragic end. Spoiler alert. One of them dies. Really sad. And, um... And yeah, and it, it just it's it's like I think it's like a, it's like a Romeo and Juliet type of story, right? Where it's like it's this tragic love story. It's so heartbreaking. Um, oh my God, Jake and Heath, Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger, they're so yeah. good. And you know, like for two straight men to go and to play this very turbulent, very loving, very deep relationship as men is so impressive. You know, I understand like in twenty twenty two, like as viewers, we don't appreciate when actors play roles and they don't with the care they play characters who they don't share identities with right so if you have like a straight character playing a gay character or like um a cisgendered person playing a trans person like it's not i we don't love it and i get it and i definitely support why because there, you know there are so many incredible actors who are lgbtq plus or like even like when white people play black characters like there you know what i mean there are so many people who fit those identities who are spectacular and talented like why not lift them up and why not you know have them like do this role authentically right but i think even though both jake and heath 
um, are and were straight. They really like, you can really tell the care that they put into this and, you know, that so many like beautiful relationships were sprung by this movie. And I think you can tell because of, again, the amount of care put into it. That's where Heath Ledger met Michelle Williams. They went on to have a baby and they were like together up until he died. Um, and um, Jake Gyllenhaal is the godfather of that baby. Like they really and they became super like they were really close, obviously. And I think I think sometimes like, you know, with the right casting, with the right people, like you know, you, it, it becomes something, again, bigger than the film. And I think that's what's really evident with this movie. Really beautifully done. I thought it was interesting. Fun fact, you know, um, mm. Heath Ledger actually grew up on, on the farm in Western Australia. And so when they were making this movie, they wanted to make Jake and Heath go on this, like, cowboy training camp thing. And Heath was like, please. So they're Australian in the movie? No. They're they're from America. He just, he just Heath himself grew up on... Like far, he grew up in the farm. Oh, yeah, when he oh, was a kid. Okay. Yeah, so when it came to like him and Jake being told like, "Hey, I think let's go to this cowboy camp," like so that you, you know, so you can figure out like how to be a cowboy, basically. And he was like, "Please, I know this life. I know this life." Yeah, so he straight up refused. Yeah. yeah, really powerful film, really meaningful film. Not necessarily a film that I would rush to watch again because it is very heavy, but it really is something really spectacular and special and marked a change in Hollywood for sure. And marked a change in queer cinema. And I think that's why, yeah, it just, it just means a lot. And it's very, very moving. I was very, very touched watching this movie, felt all the feels. It's really like, it's a very powerful story that is told. Yeah. I've never seen, I've never seen it. Yeah. It's special. It's, it's a lot. It's heavy. And it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea for sure, but it really is. I think it's something special for sure. Yeah. And saw two stars essentially being born simultaneously, yeah, which is cool. Crazy. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, my, my last pick um, is um, American Gangster. Nice. Yeah. Um, this, okay, it's, uh, you know, Denzel Washington. Um, it's my favorite movie that Denzel is in. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just like a story about Frank Lucas. Um Big big time drug dealer in in New York in the sixties seventies. It's just basically story of his life, um, how he goes from being you know just a he's like a kid from the south, going up to that you know being in New York, getting into that life, all that. Um, there's not there's nothing that's like that special about this movie, <laughs> but it's I just really enjoy it. Like you know I. First started when I was a kid, like my my dad showed it to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's just like a really interesting um, movie, and it's it's my favorite gangster movie that exists. It's it's the only one that I'll I'll watch like like over and over and over again. Yeah, crazy yeah, cast. Yeah, yeah crazy cast. Um, it just elbows in it. Uh, Ti Common, like a bunch of other like. Uh, Notable black actors are in it. The Denzel Washington. Yeah. Um, Russell Crowe is crazy. Yeah. Uh, he's like the, the main police officer who's trying to catch uh, Denzel's character. Does a great job. Um, yeah. Just just a movie. I think it's just a movie I just enjoy watching. Like, there's nothing, like, really special about it. But it's just, yeah. it's just a good movie. With so many iconic moments, too. I've yeah, never seen exactly, this movie, but yeah, I've yeah. a thousand percent heard yeah. of it. Like, the blot that shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and iconic. The, and the you tried to kill my wife. Like, uh, yeah. The, the tried to kill my wife. That Yeah, those are some crazy scenes. And, like, oh, uh, one thing I really like about it is, um, you know, like, it's, it's, it came out in, like, 2007. And, really? You know, yeah, 2007. I don't know why I thought it was, like, 90-something. Yeah, no, it's from 2007. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, when you think of, like, like those in, like, 90s, like, Gang, gangster movies um it was the ones that were like about black people yeah it was always like kind of the same vibe you know you had like boys in the hood like right juice right like movies like that um, yeah uh menace to society like those kinds of movies yeah so this one coming like after that era and then just like kind of standing out you know what i mean in, yeah in terms of like he's it's more like some you know like higher level like gangster type movie instead of just like you know guys on on like a street corner you know what i mean yeah like it's like he's like a boss and like i i haven't seen another movie where it was portrayed like in, in as cool of a way as that one yeah, yeah that's so cool we love black people doing like white collar crime stuff because yeah. black people do that too yeah and it's cool you yeah. you see him like um so he's like the main boss of his operation mm. 
he you see him how he deals with the other black bosses around Idris Elba being one of them. Um, if you if you've seen the movie, then if you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, you know. Yeah. Um, and then also how he he moves around like now dealing with like the Italian like mob members and stuff. Yeah. He's like, you know, kind of like on an equal footing with them. Yeah. Not really, but you know yeah. what I mean. Like it's, you know, what I mean? yeah. So it's, yeah, yeah. More so than other like um, gangster movies that are like black people. Like the one that the closest one I would say would be like Paid in Full. Right. Yeah, but the vibe for that one is also com- like really different. It's yeah, based in a different, different decade. Yeah. Like right. 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 Oh yeah. Um, Denzel and Russell Crowe, like great, great combo. They're a good combo. Great I could combo. totally see how they yeah. could be a really great combo. Yeah, Two yeah. strong actors who play off of each other well. I could see. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And I, I love, I love Denzel. He's definitely one of my favorite actors. Yeah, me too. And I love whenever Denzel plays like a gritty character. Like I love when he's like in the streets. Hood Denzel. Mean Denzel. Hood Denzel is the best. Hood <laughs> Denzel is the best Denzel. Yeah, if, like, you, if there's anything that you take away from this episode, it's that Hood Denzel is the best Denzel. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah. know, like when he's on, when he's on that shit, when he's like on. Like training day, like yeah. when, when he's on that vibe, and he's like on that vibe, and yeah. gangster, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I'd love to see him do that. Like now, as like a as an older actor, respectfully, yeah. You know, I mean, that'd be cool. Like to see, like, like let's bring out Hood Denzel again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's been doing theatrical he Denzel, does, yeah, with Equalizer, yeah, you know, Equalizer, stuff. and even yeah. like Fences, and like he's been doing a lot of like theatrical, even Macbeth, right? Like very theatrical work. Bring back Hood Denzel. That, was, that movie was wild, man. That movie was wild. We'll talk about that another day. No idea what was going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a movie that was in English that I couldn't understand at all, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, I will say it was hard to keep up with. Yeah, yeah it was hard to keep up with, yeah. for sure. I had no clue what was happening. <laughs> and it's like, instead of like showing something happen, they like talk about it. Yes. So it, And then you don't know what they're saying when they're yeah. talking. Yeah. It's like, man. This it was, yeah, it was a different cinematic understand. experience and it was like, wait, like, and just even like the way that it was done, like it just, it was hard to tell like, wait, like, are we on a new, is the same thing happening or is something new happening? You know what I mean? Like, it was hard to tell us something like how the plot was evolving for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Hood, Hood Denzel is the best. You heard it here first. Hood Denzel is <laughs> the best Denzel. All right, that's a wrap on episode one. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. And, you know, just to reiterate what we were saying earlier, right? Movie Buffs is such a passion project for me and Will. And we care so much about this. And we care about you guys. We care about what you think. So please, always be telling us the kind of movies you want us to review. Movies that you love. Maybe movies you hate. TV shows you like. TV shows you hate. Um, We're here to open up a dialogue and to chat with you and to discuss with you. And really just, like, dive into this wonderful, magical world that we care about so much. You can catch us anywhere else that you listen to your podcasts new episodes every thursday and yeah we'll catch you next time all right see you guys thank you